Welcome to Here's Wide Open, the podcast series provided by Anima Eterna Brügge. Rediscovering Bruckner, Part 1. The composer's life and work. In a few days now, Anima Eterna and Pablo Eras Casado will launch the Bruckner anniversary year with two performances of the Fourth Symphony in Hasselt and Bruges. Anton Bruckner was born in Austria 200 years ago, and he remains one of the most important composers of the end of the 19th century, especially for his symphonies. More. His works remain, for the audience who know it, one of the most emotional and unique experiences you can live in a concert hall. For some of us, it is even like an important spiritual experience. Nevertheless, Anton Bruckner also remains barely known from general audiences, and we can suppose, dear listener, that his life and works aren't so familiar to you. This first episode of Here's Wide Open, dedicated to Anima's Bruckner project, is so devoted to you. Before exploring the historically informed way Anima will follow for his project, let's concentrate on this uncommon composer and his masterpieces. Who was Bruckner? What make his personality and his music so fascinating? Anton Bruckner was born on 4th of September 1824 in Ansfelden. Today, Ansfelden is quiet in the suburbs of Linz, capital of the Upper Austria and third city of the country. But at that time, Ansfelden was a small village, a farming community isolated from the social and cultural life of Linz. Anton's father, Joseph, was Ansfelden's schoolmaster, which included at the time 
being the organist and music director of the church. A position is supplemented by playing dance music on his violin in the local tavern and festivities. Likely did little Anton participate in those musical activities at an early age and was first taught in music by his father. He remembered later having played a miniature violin at the age of four for the parish priest. The influence of the folk and popular Austrian music he listened in the village festival while accompanying his father could be heard in many of his later musical works, especially in the often rustic scherzos and trios of his symphonies. At 11 years old, he moved to his cousin, Johann Baptist Weiss, in the near small town of Hersching, to study music in a more efficient way, a proof that his talent was already noticeable. It is certainly under the teaching of his cousin that he discovered for the first time the classic masters of the time, including the scores of Haydn's creation and the seasons. But only two years later, he faces the first tragic event of his young life. After a long intense disease, his father dies, leaving wife and family alone. His mother then pursued the prior of the nearby Augustinian monastery of St. Florian to admit him as a chorister. This monastery will remain all his life his real home, a source of spiritual strength and inspiration. There, his Catholic faith and religious belief will be definitely reinforced. There, his musical education will be improved in large scale. He had lessons as organist, sung and studied church and instrumental music of Haydn, Mozart, and most of all, Schubert, who will be one of his major influences as a composer. Schubert's famous divine lengths are not without connection with the dilated time of Bruckner's music. Unexpectedly, he didn't choose as a career a musical training, but decided to follow his father's steps to become a schoolmaster. At the end of his scholarship, he is appointed schoolmaster assistant in St. Florian. He will stay there 10 years, continuing his musical studies, 
becoming organist assistant, composing his first religious works, the Requiem in D major and the Missa Solemnis. In 1856, he is awarded at the position of full-time organist at the Linz Cathedral. During the next 12 years, he will stop composing and concentrate on an improvement of his composition's training with different teachers. All his life, even when teacher himself in Vienna, he will never stop studying, considering he has always something to learn. One of those teachers, musical director of Linz Theatre, will introduce him to the major musical shock of his life. On the 13th of February 1863, a new musical world opens in front of him as he attended the first performance in Linz of Wagner's opera, Tannhäuser. Wagner will become for Bruckner the master of all masters. He will meet him at the first performance of Tristan und Isolde in Munich in 1865. will dedicate to him his third symphony and, when Wagner dies in 1883, he will conceive the second movement of his seventh symphony as a kind of requiem to him.
1868, Bruckner is appointed teacher of harmony and counterpoint at the Vienna Conservatory. Now that the composer finally arrives in the imperial city, let's have a break and look at his unusual personality. Born in a small village where his family have been living for five centuries, Bruckner always remained very simple and naive. His education in Ansfelden and St. Florian did not reach the high standards of education you can have in the most important European cities, as Vienna was. Very differential and pious, with a native and unquestioned respect for all kind of official authority. Dressed in his old-fashioned and provincial way and speaking with a very strong Upper Austrian accent, Bruckner had always been seen as an uneducated and undistinguished peasant by the middle and high Viennese society. And truly, he was really unaware of all kind of urban manners. He was, for instance, known for giving tips to conductors as to a cab driver. Stroke at a young age by his father's death and the loss of his home, he develops an important psychological unsteadiness what many different expressions in his life. He will stroke many obsessive-compulsive disorders, like counting the leaves of the trees or the gables of cathedrals. He will always feel insecure, revising his scores again and again, depending on his familiar's advices. He will have lessons and pass exams up to his older age. He will always find substitutions fathers to follow and obey, even with people younger than him. Even stranger is his obsession for dead bodies. When Beethoven and Schubert's remains are moved to a new settlement, he absolutely wanted to see them. He even asked for his own corpse to be embalmed. When Bruckner arrives in Vienna, the European cultural capital is divided by a strong musical war. The musical world is split in two opposite and irreconcilable sides. On the first, led by the anti-Wagnerian critic Eduard Hanslick, the conservatives promote a purely instrumental and post-classic musical style. Brahms is their banner. On the other, the younger generation promote Wagner, Liszt, and all the music of the future movement. As Bruckner is seen as a Wagner defender, he unites against him all conservative forces, even if he doesn't take any strong position by himself. His music is immediately considered as a symphonic Wagnerism, and he immediately became the Wien's banner of all the musical avant-garde, including young Mahler and Wolf, who are at the time students in the city. To his death in 1896, his life will be widely devoted to teaching, composition of his nine symphonies, and the continuous struggle to have his music played and recognized. From 1871, he started the composition of his main symphonies, four from the second to the fourth, in a little more than four years. The catastrophic first performance of his third symphony in 1877 he has to replace the conductor at the last moment and face a very hostile orchestra, banned his music for a long time from the public concerts. His fourth symphony, 
will be played in 1881 only in a private performance in front of a friendly audience. It is only from 1886 and the success of the Seventh Symphony that his Vienna's fate progressively changes. The time has come for the new music in the Austrian capital. But Bruckner has only 10 years left. spend it composing and revising his eight and ninth symphonies. Both will never be played before his death. As he lay dying, his devoted familiars, as relics, stole manuscripts pages of his quite finished last movement of the ninth symphony, pages that are still lost today, leaving his musical testament unfinished. May God protect me from my friends. Many musicians ironically stood that Bruckner wrote nine times the same symphony. And in a way it is true. Quite all of his symphonies are actually builded on the same general structures and offer in their movement the same kind of development. But, in a very strange way, they all have their own and individual mood and general color, their unique tone and personal journey. This amazing phenomena really leaves to the listener an unusual feeling. Just like if you were taking the same train in the same direction, but every time through new, changing and unexpected landscapes. Every first movement of Bruckner's symphonies is a large-scale, heterodox sonata form, always imperceptibly emerging from silence out of string tremolos.
expositions are often very long, sometimes the first half of the movement, and builded on three and not, as usual, two themes, which are also unusually long, followed by a slow and serene development, a large recapitulation, and a closing section builded on previous material. Those first movements also provide another very unusual aspect. An ordinary sonata form is typically a dialectic movement, with oppositions between themes that create a dramatic and dynamic course oriented to a resolutive goal. But by Bruckner, everything is like if there were no goal. Music flows as if it was going nowhere, as if every moment was just a new and different point of view on the musical material. Out of this aspect often comes the impression of a suspended time, like a feeling of eternity. The slow movement is usually in second position and builded on the varied alternation of two themes with a climax in apotheosis on the first one. The scherzo is in the very common ABA form, with a repeated energetic and accentuated dance-like movement surrounding an often rustic trio. The final is always another sonata-like form just as the first movement. They usually end with a closing section where the first theme of the first movement makes a paroxytic comeback, in counterpoint with all other themes of the final movement. As a Wagner-influenced composer, Anton Bruckner used a lot of chromaticism that tend to introduce tonal unsteadiness and harmonic tensions. But as his musical training in St. Florian also included the knowledge of a lot of medieval and baroque music, he often uses old figurative motifs like the cross figure that drawn a four-note cross on the score, or the musical rhetoric figure of the passus durusculus, a crescent octave jump followed by five descending semitone that symbolizes religious pain and anxiety. A figure we already talked about in a former episode of Here's Wide Open. That's why his music often gives the impression of being at the same time very modern, but putting his roots in a long and forgiven musical tradition. A feeling reinforced by Bruckner's distinctive heart of orchestration. Unlike his model Wagner, he do not usually mix the different sections to produce peculiar tone color, but inspired by the organ registration, he often uses sections in opposition to create sounds blocks facing to one another. For that reason, his music gives the feeling of a large specialization and infinite spaces. 
composed in 1874, the 4th symphony is true to this blueprint. But unlikely the others, it has a special name, given by the composer himself, Romantic. To his familiars, Bruckner gave some explanation for that title, and even a kind of a program for the complete work that was yet not to be given to the audience. For the first movement, medieval city, daybreak, morning cold sound from the city towers, the gate open, on proud horses the knights burst out into the open, the magic of nature enveloped them, forest murmurs, bird songs. For the second movement, a boy in love approaches the window but is not let in, serenade. And for the third, hunting scene, dense music played by the hunters during the meal. He gave no indication for the last movement, a mysterious and tormented final with unusual proportion that would surely fit to no one. The extraordinary counterpointed closing section has often been seen as the swan song of romanticism as his score could be the last one composed in the spirit of the original German romantic poetry. time of composition, Bruckner's music was rejected by Viennese critics and audiences. But as the famous conductor Hans Richter, who was the main conductor of the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra, saw the score, he was absolutely impressed, telling the composer that nothing so important had been composed since Beethoven. He gave the first performance in a private concert on 20th February of 1881 with a great success. It was the beginning of Bruckner's music redemption. Make sure you don't miss a single episode. 
stay tuned and follow us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify or Deezer.